0: Welcome to Bad News Hughes. This is Don Hughes with your Canadian election update. Let's run through the parties. The Liberal Party is a public relations scam that plants trees around the mass grave that is Canadian history. Justin Trudeau is like if George W. Bush got in a kayaking accident and lost his intelligence and charisma. Just a total zero. These bourgeois sleazebags sell military gear to the Saad family regime and then call themselves humanitarians. Now, the Conservative Party is basically Canada's wing of the National Party in South Africa under apartheid. These twisted creeps are proud that Canada is a settler colony and won't have it any other way. The things liberals pretend to be sad about, the Conservatives openly support. Their leader is Andrew Scheer, a man so bland that listening to him speak is like eating a box of crackers without a glass of water. The New Democratic Party, or NDP, has never led a federal government, but it's certainly run left-wing movements into the ground in a number of provinces. The NDP has a new leader in Jagmeet Singh, and the big question is whether Canadians are too racist to vote for someone with Punjabi heritage. That's the wrong question. Canadians are too racist to vote for anyone. We need a revolutionary committee to run the whole show. The Bloc Quebecois starts with a great idea. We need to destroy Canada. Then they ruin it by saying Quebec still needs to exist. (laughs) The whole idea sounds like a divorced dad. Quebec wants to keep imperialism on weekends. (laughs) Next, the Green Party. The Greens are another public relations scam. Their slogan is, not left, not right, but forward together. That's just textbook neo-Nazi third positionism. (laughs) We're not fooled. The Green Party dreams of joining a coalition with the liberals. It's like when you watch your garbage collector dump your recycling into the same bin as the trash. (laughs) Then there's the People's Party, which is a half-assed attempt to start a new fascist party. Hey bozos, you already have five fascist parties to choose from. I just listed them. Let's talk issues. The NDP has promised a National Pharmacare program, which makes sense in a country that supposedly has free health care. Unfortunately, they aren't planning on getting rid of the causes of all those symptoms. So you'll have to put on some Drake, take a handful of free painkillers, and cry yourself to sleep again. The Conservatives said they'll fix the housing crisis. Their brilliant idea is to let more people dive into high-risk mortgages. Ten years! It's only been 10 years since this idea nuked half the economy, and they're already back at it. Abolish landlords, problem solved. The liberals, for their part, have promised to plant 2 billion trees. I said they promised trees earlier, but you probably didn't believe me. Look it up, they're promising trees. Now, the official Bad News Hughes election prediction. Here it is. Bourgeois democracy is a sham. You want my sample size? It's 500 years of colonialism. <laughs> the workers need to turf this whole system and come up with something new. Mao was right. Without a people's army, the people have nothing. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, God. Uh, we're recording.
2: All
1: well, that was, um, that was well worth the wait uh, for the long, long-anticipated uh, Donald Get Fiscal-Chopo collaboration. Uh, we, he, we needed more of his teachings, and luckily uh, he has his own podcast now. Yes, called You Can't Win. Check it out. You Can't Win. Oh, so uh, that that little um, intro is our way of letting you know that, uh, you know, you've been clamoring for this for, you know, 350 plus episodes now, and we're finally doing it. It's a Canadian episode, eh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're focused on our friends above the border. Did, did you guys know that... America is actually not the only country in North America. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. But there's a whole other yeah. country that's not even America.
2: Actually, there are several. What? Yeah. Mexico is technically part of North America, no, as no. are many of the countries in the Caribbean and I think technically Central America
3: Greenland well. is considered a part of North America.
2: Yeah. That's why we're trying to buy it. Add it to the gang. Apparently, Canada has their own government, which seems to me to be totally unnecessary no, it's and redundant. Just redundant. Yeah. They should just have ours. Like,
1: what a waste of time. You know donald just gave us the rundown i mean they're having an election coming they're, up just, what the fuck they like bad scheduling to go up against you know yeah the biggest election in the exactly. world exactly and I, you, you
2: might say ours isn't for a year but it's like sorry uh, we have year you have we have two long two year long presidential races yeah, you need yeah. to schedule around that shit dude beto just got on a skateboard i know come on L- L- we just found out that liz warren is wilding out <laughs> liz warren is a fucking cougar in chief how are we supposed to care about what some fucking
3: syrup eaters do well you know that's just some of the people listening to the show most people want to watch the super bowl halftime show and some people want the puppy bowl
1: well to uh to to go uh, let's take a deeper dive into our, our our friends up north uh we are joined by luke savage luke how's it going
4: Hey, guys. Uh, good. Thanks for having me. First time,
1: long time. Uh, what what province are you calling in from today? Pro- province. uh <laughs>
4: the, the beautiful province of Ontario, which I'm fairly certain is uh, much of which is on the same like longitude or latitude as New York State. OK, so that's the New York of Canada. Is, is it daytime? <laughs> is it daytime or nighttime there? It is. I'm in the same
3: time zone as you guys. What? <laughs> if all the liberal shitheads live in Toronto, what, what do you call them? Because you can't call them coastal elites.
4: The great we lakes them, elite. We oh, actually have our own word for that. You, yeah, close, Virgil. We, you call them uh, Laurentian elites. That's uh, the term.
3: Okay. What's the heartland? Alberta, right? That's one uh, of the, I mean, the psycho. I don't know what
4: counts like. as the heartland. It, it might be the prairies. Oh, they but, call it a tundra, uh, I think. Technically, Ontario is part of eastern Canada, which is funny because it's actually kind of in the middle. But also,
2: it's on the coast of one of the Great Lakes, right? Isn't Toronto? Yeah, yeah,
4: almost all of them.
2: Well,
3: there you go. And the Great Lakes are the third coast. You ever notice how Ontario looks like it's punching Michigan? As well, it should. (laughs) It's punching Detroit. (laughs) You know, I don't want to open
1: up our Canadian politics episode talking about American politics, but I have to. Matt already brought it up um liz warren sex trafficked a marine <laughs> luke luke savage your thoughts on this rapidly developing story
4: i i haven't heard i haven't heard about this what's going on okay it, it's it's like turn on your television right now
1: like it will be on every single channel yeah. now this is this is huge <laughs> this is an absolute game changer this is a literal october surprise uh this is of course brought to us courtesy of uh, friends of the show, Jack Berkman and Jacob Wall. The Duke and the Dauphin. Yeah, the Duke and the Dauphin of the, uh, <laughs> of the American, This our current election, uh, have held another just blockbuster press conference
3: at Jack Berkman's uh, apartment. Coming, on the, <laughs> coming right on the heels of another press conference where they said they had the identity of the, of the leaker. Yeah, and then they didn't do it. And right? they said, but for reasons we can't we'll tell you the identity. Yeah. Okay, so Luke, check
1: this out. Wall Berkman apartment press conference. They have found a young man, a former marine, who was sex trafficked by Elizabeth Warren and um you know did sex stuff to her. He he compromised her pussy to a permanent <laughs> end. And they brought him to this press conference. Yeah, uh, this young man who proceeded to take off his shirt. And show a scar from where Elizabeth Warren, this, uh, you know, senator from Massachusetts, uh, whipped him during various BDSM sex acts. Yeah. But more interestingly, he has a tattoo of Triple X from the film Triple X starring Vin Diesel. Uh, One of them starred Ice Cube. Uh, I mean, there's only one Triple X, Matt, and it's Vin Diesel. Okay, The the OG. He has has a Triple X tattoo. Yeah. And apparently um, could not read his part during the press conference without laughing. Yeah. But, you know, we all process trauma in different ways. But like I'm saying, like, I hope this earth shattering news doesn't eclipse the very important stuff you're about to tell us about. Um, Where are you from again?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. According to him, he was really deeply traumatized by all of this intense sex. A shout out to uh, Twitter user Contrarian Takes, who sent me uh, photographs of the of the document that they handed out, which is meant to look like an assigned affidavit, even though of course it has no markings, <laughs> of, You know, uh, it's not notarized. It is not, it's just this guy signing a piece of paper, but,
4: uh, it's like built on a Microsoft word template. Yes,
2: no, it is. Uh, but he says, quote, although I have a fair amount of experience in this business, uh, he's, a, he is, a, he's basically a rent boy. He says he was picked up by Senator Warren from the website. Cowboys for angels. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he says, although I have a fair amount of experience in this business, I was shocked by the intensity, duration, and sheer violence of what Senator Warren wanted. So he's, he was she's traumatized. She's 70 years old. She was, she's, yeah, but she's vor- voracious. I don't know what this guy is complaining about. Liz Warren uses every inch of the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: now, uh, have you seen a, a clip of, do we have a clip of his statement? Because I've I've read that he uh, uh, started laughing. Yeah, that's what the I read. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen any video. I've just read. I'm
2: seen sure
1: the we can. I'm sure we can uh, uh, rip a video later. Yeah, we'll but... I, we'll run raw up.
3: I had to spend time with an older woman
2: many times before, but never a woman over sixty.
0: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I,
2: although I was unaware
1: of it at the time, Senator Warren wanted not just rough sex,
0: but extensive BDSM play. Which i'm sure you're
1: quite familiar with i'm sure i look i mean again i'm sorry to our sorry to our guest uh luke savage we do want to talk about canadian politics but like we, we will we, get to that we we ha we just had to, this is breaking news this is this this will change the course of history probably um like i said i just all i can think about is liz warren uh or matt you said this like popping open a shipping container like in the wire season yep. two and there's just 30 guys wearing like camo no cut-off shirts, shirts.
2: <laughs> no shirts camo shorts and timberland boots yeah and they're just like they're using those old-fashioned atlas like isometric metal the spring trainers to get jacked they're all lubed up they so, throw medicine balls back and forth
1: it's funny because like only a former marine is up to the task of like the physical rigors of sexing Elizabeth Warren Absolutely
2: no you you need you need to be at peak cardio you need to have Significant military
1: training. You need, you need to have need... gone through Paris Island. Absolutely. He'll be
3: out here. I was, what, what kind of Marine are we dealing with here? Is this like, uh, um, like one of those TikTok Marines who's always? Like, I guarantee you, he is a TikTok Marine.
2: There is no question
3: that he does. He is not. Yeah. What, ad, what branch of TikTok Marine,
1: Marine is he? What class? <laughs> he
3: TikTok is, guy, is, divorce
2: guy. He's in the tiktok sex guy. Yeah.
3: No
1: sex worker. The Marines have uh, a unit dedicated to that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hot Marine. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Stud. Yeah. yeah. He's <laughs> in the Stud Brigade. All right well uh sorry about that you know this is important there's important news happening in this country too but um there there is an election going on in in Canada, and that's and that's why we've bought uh you know Donald to introduce us to this issue, yeah, here, and uh Luke to take uh, more of a deep dive into it so uh luke why don't why don't you why don't you begin with just like a quick overview of like, you know, where the election uh, stands right now, like who like who are the contenders and like, you know, what what, what does the polling
3: seem to indicate? And if you could also uh, in that explanation, uh, say, use our presidential candidates to explain your candidates, that would be immensely <laughs> helpful.
4: Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like a certain amount of that will be necessary, but um, to, to explain Canada the problem is, uh, you know, Canada does have a a kind of bizarre and quite unique political culture. So the analogies won't always be uh, be perfect, but I'll do my best. Um, So, you know, there is the incumbent liberal prime minister, Justin Trudeau. Obviously, you've uh, no doubt heard about uh, some of his recent exploits. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a he's a uh, very
1: theatrical fellow.
4: Yeah, very much so. He's kind of um, commits to character. Yeah, yeah, very much. He's a, you know, a kind of international brand, uh, kind of walking listicle, uh, who's Mm. been with us, uh, for the last few years. Uh, he won election in 2015. Um, and then you've got the conservative party led by Andrew Shear, who is, uh, who was kind of a compromise candidate. They wanted, uh, the wackier one, but, uh, they had a weird voting system. So Andrew Shear won. Um, who who is the wackier one? Uh, we're going to get to him in okay. a second. Uh, he uh, he's also uh, he's also leading a political party. but, wait, um, but isn't but, there uh,
2: also? Uh, uh, I remember when this happened earlier. Uh, w- there was a chance that Canada was going to follow in our footsteps of having a rich TV reality show dickhead become uh, a party leader because the guy from Shark Tank tried was made of made an attempt to be the
4: uh, uh, conservative party leader right mr wonderful that's right kevin kevin o'leary tried to run for leader of the conservative party and actually uh it seemed like he having declared his candidacy he spent a lot of time just like traveling around the united states and not really campaigning at all so uh because of the obvious trump parallel you know a lot of people freaked out in canada and they were like oh god it's happening here Um, And there were a bunch of conservative candidates that tried to kind of emulate uh, Donald Trump's style. There was one who started putting uh, uh, like exclamation marks at the end of her tweets. uh, And she started talking about uh, how we're going to drain the canal, referring to the Rideau Canal in Ottawa, which is uh, near the parliament buildings. But none of that really uh, none of that really caught on. Um, And Andrew Scheer ended up winning the leadership. He's about as interesting as watching paint dry. And uh, he's he's he was uh, the speaker of the House of Commons for many years. And when he stopped being speaker, it turned out he was just like a pretty run of the mill, uh, you know, social and fiscal conservative. Um, And, uh, you know, the conservatives are running on kind of the usual suite of like dueling tax credits that they have with the uh, with the liberals. Not very interesting. But the guy who was kind of the first choice of conservative party members, Maxime Bernier, who uh, is a former foreign minister, uh, he uh, is leading what's now called the People's Party of Canada. This is the first election they've contested. Um, and it's much more of the kind of, uh, you know, it's 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 much more obviously a kind of uh, far right formation. Um, I think, you know, they've kind of hemorrhaged some candidates. They've had trouble finding candidates. Um, I think a few candidates left because they were like, oh, God, there seemed to, there seem to be a lot of racists here. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I. Uh, he he's in the running it's not clear um how much they're catching on uh then you've got the green party which is sort of uh, uh you know as donald said in his intro they're kind of a not left not right before they sometimes get mistaken for a kind of left of center party and it's not that they're cryptically right wing they're just kind of uh they're just kind of not really anything you know if in, in downtown toronto a lot of their candidates would be sort of you know urban progressive you know bicycle riding types um, and then they would also have candidates that are the type of people that like you know have made a whole bunch of dodgy comments on abortion and posts like 9-11 conspiracy videos on Facebook and stuff like that um, and they're kind of a leader centric mm-hmm. brand they've had the same leader for uh, quite some time uh, her name's Elizabeth May and it is kind of uh, the the Elizabeth May party in some ways uh, and then you've got the uh, the NDP, which uh, is kind of one of the places I got my political start, I guess, 10 or 11 years ago when I was kind of first getting involved in politics. It's Canada's uh, Social Democratic Party. It comes out of the prairie populism and the kind of uh, radical uh, Methodist Christianity of kind of the early 20th century. Um, you know, it was kind of founded as a coalition. Its predecessor, the CCF, was kind of a coalition of uh, farmers, industrial workers and socialist intellectuals. They merged with the Canadian Labour Congress in uh, the early 60s to create the NDP. Um, and uh, the, the NDP is kind of the, uh, the, the you know, social democratic uh, option in Canada these days. So that's those are kind of the play. Oh, and then God, there are so many parties this election. There's also the Bloc Québécois, who are the kind of federal wing of the Quebec sovereignty movement, shouldn't leave them out.
1: I guess, like, in thinking about all this, like, Americans, like, sort of, certainly liberal Americans, have a kind of stereotype about Canada that it is the nice country that we all wish we could live in because people are polite and, you know, there's some kind of decent healthcare system. But, like, overall, that's not really the case. I mean, like... Canada is almost as reactionary a shithole as America is, right?
4: Yeah, I mean, the thing thing about the American caricature, right, is that because Canada is such a small country, the way that other countries see us is sort of as important to our identity as any kind of, like, organic identity that we might have. So, uh, you know, a lot of people abroad think of Canada as this sort of post-racial Scandinavia or something like that. And that's kind of what a lot of Canadians think, too, Um, you know, our official identity is very much that we're this sort of progressive multicultural utopia, your formal multiculturalist policy. Uh, yeah, there is, there's like state, you know, uh, it is, it is state policy as is, uh, as is bilingualism. And I mean, you know, I shouldn't, uh, you know, downplay, you know, there are obviously, uh, you know, multiculturalism in Canada, I think has been more successful than, uh, you know, in, in many other countries, there are definitely strengths to making it kind of um, a part of the civic identity. But the flip side is that um, I think Canadians are not very good at uh, introspecting about, uh, you know, the deficiencies and the problems in their own society. And so uh, it can kind of end up being a sort of, uh, you know, institutionalized uh, complacency.
1: So it's a Trudeau is 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 the incumbent. Right. And Trudeau and Trudeau's a guy who came to power after nearly a decade of rule by a right-wing government led by Stephen Harper, who I think you described as an like the angry hockey dad vote like that, like that's his constituency, that who that's who he is and who he represents. Right.
4: Yeah, very much so. So the conservative party, I mean, they have a lot of rural support, but you know, Stephen Harper's majority government in 2011 was kind of one on the backs of uh, suburban voters and, you know, especially the greater Toronto area. Um, but, yeah, the roots of Trudeauism definitely go back to uh, the Harper era. Um, and, you know, in retrospect, uh, looking back at that time, like when when the conservatives, uh, you know, when they just been in power for a few years, I was starting university and I kind of saw the birth of uh, the political identity that I think ended up blossoming into uh, Trudeauism, which. You know, again, in retrospect, was kind of uh, our own sort of meeker, more provincial version of what is now the, you know, anti-Trump resistance. Yeah. The the Harper years, they gave birth to this this political identity that was sort of, you know, I guess you could say small p progressive. And it was very uh, shrill and kind of hyperbolic about. The conservative party. So, you know, I remember all these kind of memes circa 2007, 2008 about like, you know, warning signs of fascism or whatever, that kind of thing. But there wasn't (laughs) really there. You guys, you guys know, you guys know the type. So and it was it was ultimately like very focused on all the norms and the institutions whose dignity the conservatives were supposedly insulting. It was very uh, into using the language of patriotism, the talking about the Constitution, and all of it really was just about being, you know, anti-conservative, like ABC, anything but conservative was, yeah. you know, a label that people actually used and which voters actually kind of assigned to themselves. It didn't really have a program attached to it. You know, it wasn't about replacing um, Harper with anything in particular. It was just about, you know, replacing him, period. Um, so even though it's kind of language was progressive, I think ultimately what, uh, the people who were attracted to that, uh, um, wanted was a sort of conservative restoration, which is like very much, uh, you know, the case for like a Joe Biden presidency. It right sounds now. a you bit know, it's like, very a, analogous to that.
3: It sounds like a kind of a woke Blairism. It's funny you make that parallel, uh, to, to the, the sorts of figures we have in the United States, uh, wine moms, epic rant dads, the denizens of the anti-Trump online resistance, and they love Trudeau. They idolize him in the way that they love Macron because they, you know, whenever Trudeau sits down with Trump, they analyze the footage uh, for evidence of shade that Trudeau is throwing at Trump.
1: <laughs> well, well, Luke, like, I was going to say, like, an- another, another huge parallel... Uh, between uh, Trudeau and, and these types of people, or at least stylistically, is um, the intense uh, horniness for him among a certain segment oh, yeah. of the population. Like it's just always about like how suave and hot he is, and like 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 the, that plays like a it's a big part of his appeal, especially like with the contrast with uh, Donald Trump.
3: You're you're saying like that that appeal is it's it's mostly like cultural, just a the the uh, 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 production of a reaction against. Harper, but without any kind of ideological content, just sort of worshiping of the image, because at the end of the day, Justin Trudeau is just the failed son of a former prime minister. He's just a celebrity.
4: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's a few things at work here. I mean, I think, you know, one of them is, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, kind of the horniness and like more broadly, the like Trudeau is just, you know, in some ways, the product of like an oversaturated, uh, you know, social media driven and like celebrity obsessive culture. You know, he's like, he's the political equivalent. Um, You know, he offers people twee uplift in the way that like something like Upworthy did. If you guys remember that, yeah. like awful website, it was like, yeah. you know, it's, it's like, you know, Upworthy plus like traditional centrist politics. So that's part of it, right? Like he was, he had viral potential. And, you know, after he got elected, there were headlines you know, that were things like, you know, uh, Justin Trudeau's seven secrets to being extraordinarily charming or, uh, uh-huh. you know, meet meet the prime minister of Canada, our new man crush. These are actual oh. headlines. Oh, uh, no. uh, this was one. This was one I liked. Canadian PM Justin Trudeau is really, really ridiculously good looking. And yes, it matters. So when, um,
3: <laughs> You know, I mean, as obsessed as you all are with American politics, I mean, Trump meeting Trudeau is obviously a big event. And do you agree with the analysis from uh, uh, our libs that, uh, you know, mm, Justin Trudeau threw some epic shade and made Donald Trump look like a little boy?
4: Is that how you perceive these meetings? (laughs) Well, not me personally, but I can tell you that lots of people in Canada absolutely received them that kind of way. Um, Back in uh, back in 2017, uh, when Trudeau visited the White House, there was this hilarious moment where. Uh, I guess Trudeau and Trump had some kind of press conference, I guess, in the Oval Office or somewhere in the White House. And uh, there's a still image where it lo- Trump is holding his outstretched hand. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but Trump is holding his outstretched hand and Trudeau is just kind of looking oh, at I, it. I can't see Donald Trump's outstretched hand unless I have a microscope. <laughs> uh, <right. laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's orange, too. Um, but uh, but But yeah, so, you know, in the still image, Trudeau is like, you know, looking like he's just kind of, uh you know, caustically gazing down at Trump's hand and sort of in defiance, not shaking it. Um But of course, like seconds later, he's just like smiling for the cameras and shaking Trump's hand. So this is like exactly the same as. You know, when Nancy Pelosi epically throws shade by, you know, kind of cryptically sassy, sassily clapping at Trump during a State <laughs> of the Union address, and then people have to do sort of alchemy and divination to invent ways that this is somehow like a brave act of defiance. That's very much what, like, you know, the, the Trudeau brand as kind of a defier of Trump is uh, is about. It's about things like that. So
3: the, so the big question I have is, you know, we know the Trudeau demographic, both here in the United States and in Canada you know, what the the liberal base is now. Is Trump standing among the Epic Grant dads and the wine moms hurt or helped by uh, doing blackface for his entire life?
4: You know, the the reaction, uh, the reactions to that, you know, it's not exactly clear. Um, I mean, I think it's an indictment of, you know, the electorate that it hasn't uh, instantly cut into uh you know the the liberal numbers in the polls uh you know it it does seem to be hurting trudeau's personal ratings right i mean it's the ultimate uh inversion of his brand as the like ultimate performative woke guy yeah um but but i mean so far it does not uh it has as as of yet it has not like really really hurt his uh the the you know the liberal reelection uh campaign and what's kind of what's amazing is that he's basically trying to run uh, a, a very similar campaign to the one he ran in 2015, like post post blackface. I mean, I guess they're 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 making less of an effort to pretend to be progressive, but they're running. You know, he's still showing up at press conferences, like in a canoe, um, like paddling up to the shore in a canoe and things like that. He's still doing all the same. But how do they, I mean, so he, how,
3: how do they resolve this cognitive uh, uh, cognitive dissonance? When,
4: you know, or, 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 or originally, originally, I mean, originally,
2: originally, <laughs> uh, yeah, if I could walk that one, motherfucker. originally the dissidence was,
3: here's the guy who's, who's very performatively woke and he, he wears all the costumes and he feels your pain and all that shit, uh, you know, pretends to care about indigenous people or, or the, uh, you know, plight of others overseas while, you know, selling arms to Saudi Arabia and traveling over indigenous land rights and so on and so forth. You know, the, yeah. uh, you know, the, uh, on, Ontarians, the what, what do we call them, the LaCroix Ontarians?
1: <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't care, dude.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, okay, I, I guess that never troubled them. But surely now that it's an image that, that, that's maddening to them, like surely that will cause their brains to finally explode, that there's blackface plus woke guy.
4: It's, it's, I mean, it's pretty extraordinary. Like the, the Trudeau brand, uh, does have a remarkable capacity to recover because it turns out that, I mean, I know it'll surprise you guys, but that a lot of people who talk endlessly about social justice, uh, kind of bend on it pretty quickly as soon as, <laughs> uh, their own standards become inconvenient. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, I mean, the, you know, the, the, the sort of media cycle after the, the scandal broke, uh, you know, he came out and he kind of, uh, did an apology and he, and he said like, you know, I didn't know that this stuff hurt people. And, um, he was asked by the media, uh, you know, well, did you do it? Um, you know, did you do it any more than once? And he said, uh, well, there was a time in a high school talent show when I did it. And I, I also sang uh day uh, and then uh, they said, oh, and I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure at that press conference, he was also asked, well, you know, were there any other times? And he said, no, but then the next morning, um, you know, Global News got another a video showing a third instance of him doing it. And, uh, you know, after that, he said, uh, I'm wary of being definitive about this because recent <laughs> pictures that came out, I had not remembered. And the question is, how can you not remember that? Um, the thing is, this so, isn't, this so, isn't uh, just uh, well, like, the
1: answer is because he's done it so many times.
4: It's just, or it's, the <laughs>
2: answer is that when it happens, he goes into a fugue state. It's sort of like the Incredible Hulk. And
3: it's then, like
4: the woke version it, of not criminally responsible. Yeah, he doesn't remember it. But you know, it's I mean, I'm saying
3: it. it's one thing if this is a, a grainy yearbook photo that came out. This is the son of the former prime minister, and he's in full body
4: blackface. Like, right, it's, and he was in his 30s, and he was a teacher at his 30s. Where this happened. I mean, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know yeah, that no, part. Absolutely. I think we've just
1: discovered. Our first, you know, fracture between American and Canadian politics, because the idea that in America you could be like representing a liberal constituency of a major political party running for the leadership of the country after crassly pretending to be like not another race for most of your life and get away with it is just unthinkable here.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not really clear how this didn't come out before because, uh, you know, there were lots of people at these events. I mean, one of, one of the videos, uh, is, is, you know, dated from the early nineties. So it goes further back. Um, but, uh, and you know, all of these things seem to have happened before he got into politics, but it is kind of a wonder that this didn't come out before. And I mean, one of the things about Trudeau's brand is that it's always been treated as sort of too big to fail. Like whenever he's, kind of um deviated from you know what his image is on paper which is like you know the uh you know ultra woke performative guy uh everyone just kind of ignores it right so um like in his big rolling stone interview which i think came out in 2017 something like that um he's talking about this ridiculous charity boxing match that was kind of one of the things that as absurd as it sounds kind of elevated him uh, nationally. Um, and he he was in politics at this point. And his opponent in that match was this indigenous senator. And he says in the interview, he just straight up says, I wanted someone who would be a good foil. And we stumbled upon the scrappy tough guy senator from an indigenous indigenous community. He fit the bill and it was a very nice counterpoint. Um, and so he was, you know, raked over the coals by, uh, you know, indigenous activists over that. But it was just kind of ignored, um, just like it was ignored in the 2015 federal election when he, in an interview he seemed to uh, account for violence against women by blaming rap music you know people just sort of always overlooked uh, always overlooked that no, kind of thing no,
3: so nobody knew about the blackface beforehand when you're telling me he was you know this was in the context of a class or a live performance so theoretically hundreds of people like just saw him in blackface and uh, just i don't know forgot about it
4: uh, yeah i guess so Going further into Trudeau, uh,
1: you know, you you wrote a very good article in uh, Current Affairs about Trudeau called uh, "Justin Trudeau and the Politics of Spectacle," but like you know, like these parallels emerge again because you know he he comes into office after you know like a decade of uh, like like a, a right wing government. Like he's young, he's good looking, he seems to embody uh, the, the 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 hopes of a, a younger generation and and the desire to sort of. Uh, shift course, right? And, you know, exactly like o- Obama did. And everyone, you know, myself included, like, you know, felt positive at that moment. But then, like, you go into it and, like, you know, right off the bat, like, you talk about, like, what are some of the things he ran on that, again, as soon as he got in office, immediately backed off on?
4: Yeah. So, so it was very, uh, it was very much like Obama in that a lot of people who thought, you know, who voted liberal thought that they were voting for, like, you know, uh, you know, anti-war, you know, tax the rich, uh, kind of, kind of government. And needless to say, that's not what they got. Um, I guess, uh, Trudeau's political skill insofar as he had one was that, you know, he was able to kind of adopt progressive language while not really, uh, I mean, he, he he wasn't in retro, I mean, as with Obama, right? Like Obama was going around in 2008 praising Ronald Reagan, but none of us kind of noticed or, or cared. We all thought that he was, Uh, We all thought that he was kind of a figure of the left in some way and or that that,
1: that he was doing it like to be politically canny and like assuage moderates instincts or like about that him is some sort of wild foreign radical or something like that.
4: Yeah, that's right. It was all part of the 24 dimensional game of chess, which I guess Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have now taken up. I don't know what move they're on at this point. But um, but uh, yeah, so it was, uh, you know, it was the, the liberal platform, you know, had all this kind of, um, I guess, like softly left language around, you know, taxing the rich, um, doing uh, deficit spending, um, you know, uh, on around indigenous rights, around climate change. Um, and I mean, if you actually looked into the details, there was nothing particularly radical about it. I mean, they're running to the right of the NDP, uh, you know, definitely. But, um, you know, Trudeau, uh you know, kind of ingeniously towed the line. And I think that, uh, you know, Trudeau himself is not a very interesting figure. But he's, he's exactly as you uh, as you see him. He's, you know, uh, a trust fund kid who grew up rich and famous and then, you know, kind of inherited political power, largely on the basis of his last name. But the Trudeau phenomenon, I think, is interesting in some ways, because um, in a, at a time when, you know, liberalism was just kind of taking L's everywhere, when, you know, populism, particularly of the right wing variety, was on the rise uh, all over the world, you know, the the Trudeau liberals kind of found the perfect formula. They figured out uh, how you could kind of uh, you could speak to the concerns of working and middle-class people who were concerned about inequality and climate change and things like that. Um, but you could also reassure the global elite, the people who are afraid of populism um, that you weren't actually really going to do anything. And, um, and that, th- and that that's sounds why, kind I mean, of, of the, Yeah. So, I mean, one of the, one of the reasons why Trudeau became an international brand is because uh, so many, uh, you know, Traditional political actors, you know, like centrists and other countries basically looked at this and they thought, God, how do we copy this? This is absolute, uh, this is absolute genius. And Trudeau was just the, you know, the perfect package for this because he had the veneer of youth. Um, but I mean, essentially he was cashing in on sort of, you know, baby boomer nostalgia for, you know, the era of his dad, which was like Canada in the, you know, the swinging sixties. So it was, um, you know, it was the perfect, you know, electoral, uh, brand. It was, you know, kind of, uh, a message that was ultimately about a conservative restoration, but with sort of, uh, an aura of novelty attached to it. You know, it was, uh, it was, they they figured out a way to give, uh, traditional political power a veneer of social conscience at a time when liberals everywhere else were, uh, you know, had completely lost it when it came to, uh, doing that and, and winning elections.
1: And like, uh, you know, speaking to this, I guess like one of the most uh, galling things, both from the perspective of his, you know, sort of woke branding, but also like actual moral and political commitments, is the issue of like uh, first nations and like indigenous lands land rights in Canada. Like, would, like he had like some proposal that would give um, first nations uh, the communities like total veto power over uh, like le- like land leases and uh, like cultivation of like their. Um, like their land, basically. What happened with that?
4: Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, so that was that was abandoned because uh, I guess the need to build pipelines is just <laughs> is just too important. So
3: it was abandoned when it was realized this will oh this will prevent the other thing we wanted to. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, it,
4: yeah, it was that's
3: prevent, right. it was abandoned when they realized oh they might exercise those uh, powers we might give them. Yeah,
4: that's right. Um, and you know there was another thing uh, they were going to implement the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. They actually. Uh, Went to the United Nations and announced that, and they were like, you know, the the time is now, you know. Um, and then a couple months later, uh, they were like, oh yeah, no, we're uh, we're we're not we're not doing that. Or he um, like I,
1: I believe the quote that you have is that he said they said that this this just isn't workable.
4: That's right. Yeah. What has Which sort of begs the question: Why did they promise to do it in the first place? Speaking so, of
1: pipelines,
2: didn't that motherfucker march in the
4: climate yes, strike? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's yeah. He save marched the world. against himself. Yeah.
3: Luke, um, what has the liberal government done then what have they delivered on uh,
4: i mean uh insofar as they actually committed to do anything specific uh they've flip-flopped on a lot of the big like specific commitments so they were also going to change canada's electoral system they just dropped that we have like an archaic 19th century electoral system uh where people that must suck like <laughs> 100, yeah, 19th century. Yeah. Sorry spew. about that, dude.
2: Fuck off. It's not, yeah, I kill it's not for as, a 19th not century
4: as, electoral system. <laughs> it's not as bad as yours, admittedly, but it's, it's pretty bad. You can basically get like 100% of the legislative power with as little as like 34 or 35% of the popular vote, um, which maybe that could benefit a left-wing party someday. That would be great. But, uh, mostly it hasn't done that. Um, but so, yeah, they abandoned electoral reform. Um, I mean, they were also going to raise taxes on the rich, which I mean, officially they did do that. They put they created a new tax bracket for uh, I guess I think it was incomes above two thousand two hundred thousand dollars. But then they also cut taxes for the income tax bracket below. So it's actually a net tax cut. And the the, most of the gains or the majority of the gains went to the top 10% of earners. So it's just a total like sleight of hand. It's the kind of thing you can imagine like the Center for American Progress coming up with or something. Uh, I mean, they 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 did uh, create a uh, child benefit, which I guess is like a means tested grant that goes, uh, you know, disproportionately to low income families. Uh, the problem with that was that they advanced it kind of explicitly in opposition to a universal childcare program. Uh, the liberals, just like the Democrats, like love means testing. What about refugees and migration? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the rhetoric around refugees was certainly, uh, I mean, you know, much better than anything coming out of the United States. Um, I mean, they, Uh, The the NDP in 2015 had a a more ambitious uh, program to admit more refugees, which, uh, you know, the or uh, the the liberals attacked the NDP uh, program and then essentially ended up uh, adopting it. I'm actually kind of uh, forgetting the details. It's been a few years. Uh, You know, so Trudeau, you know, at least did make a kind of an effort to symbolically. Uh, you know, embrace the refugee issue. Um, And, you know, he tweeted a number of things that I guess were cryptically interpreted as condemnations of Trump. But Canada took, um, you know, I think a decent number of refugees, but like many fewer uh, per capita than, um, you know, other countries, I think particularly those in uh, those in Scandinavia. Um, And I mean, when it comes to actually, you know, updating border policy, I mean, Canadian uh, authorities are still Cooperating with uh, you know your own border authorities um, uh, and and things like that, so uh, I think very little has changed there.
1: What you get at in uh, the current affairs piece is that like like Trudeau as a political model, like sort of picking up the the ball from Obama and running with it. Like what's attractive to you about it is that like a you you have the look of a guy who's Who's sort of black who's
0: who's,
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes who's who's not who's a poc occasionally but um uh you know but also like like um you know it it represents kind of a a a wholesome unthreatening masculinity Uh, uh we have one article here uh, from when he was first elected, uh, Justin Trudeau's election redefined politics of manliness. Study suggests, and this is uh, you know, an, uh, an academic study which purports to claim that like you know, Justin Trudeau is being—he's hot, he's 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 jacked, but he also has feelings and has a boyish sort of demeanor. But more importantly, it's this thing about like his politics are about saying things in such a way that reassures all involved that he's one of you without actually saying or committing to anything and really reassuring. Yeah. Like uh, party elites and the wealthy that, you know, he like, he's not going to rock the boat. Right. And you have, yeah, yeah. very much so. And uh, there's, there's one quote here again that I, that, that we're like, sometimes like you said, like the mask slips or like the, the algorithm breaks down a little bit and like too much of what he's actually talking about gets through. So he says here, this was uh, in response to a question uh, you write about how his government was navigating the unpopularity of neoliberal globalization at the present political moment. And uh, he said this, quote, we were able to sign a free trade agreement with Europe at a time when people tend to be closing off. We're actually able to approve pipelines at a time when everyone wants protection of the environment. We're being able (laughs) to show that we get people's fears and there are constructive ways of allaying them. And not just ways to lash out and give a big kick to the system. So what he's really saying is, like, my politics is about allaying people's fears about the things that I'm doing.
4: That yeah, that's right. And I mean, as with Obama, that was always uh, you know that was always clear. That was always something he made explicit um, from the beginning. You know, uh, there was a, an op ed that uh, he published. I can't remember in, in which newspaper it was published. Um, I think in 2013, 2014, something like that. Um, and this was when he was laying out what was supposedly the liberals like anti inequality agenda. And he said national business leaders and other wealthy Canadians should draw the following conclusion and do so urgently. If we do not solve uh, you know, the problems facing the middle class and low income earners. Uh, and these are Trudeau's words. Canadians will eventually withdraw their support for a growth agenda. We will all be worse off as a consequence, uh, deepening anxiety yields, deepening divisions, uh, and, uh, people will begin to vote for leaders who offer comforting stories about who to blame for our problems rather than how to solve them. So he's, he's basically was addressing, he was basically addressing, you know, business leaders, um, and, uh, and people like that. And he was saying, Hey, look, I get it. You don't want to pay higher taxes, but we got to give, you know, we got to give people something. We got to at least, uh, show that you know we're, we got to at least pretend to do something because otherwise, you know, as he puts it, Canadians may withdraw their support for a growth agenda, which is another way of saying you know they might vote for people who will actually raise your taxes, and we can't we can't allow that.
1: No, yeah, you have to allay people's fears because yeah, if if, if they have all this fear and anxiety, like yeah, then then they won't sign on to the pro growth. So he's just saying like, go with me. I'm going to allay the dum dumb's fears. And we can still get all the growth that we all want.
4: Very much so, yeah.
3: Well, so that's that's Trudeau. What about the NDP, the ostensible left option?
4: Yeah, so I mean, the NDP, um, you know, I think in this election is, you know, it's moved to the left of where it was last time. The NDP platform last time had a number of decent things in it, but it had this uh, this really numbskulled pledge to balance, to run balanced budgets um, which kind of neutered the other stuff. So this time uh, the NDP is not doing that. Um, you know, there's uh, I the the NDP is kind of hard to place relative to other left parties worldwide just because the political culture here is so uh, is so different. But, um, you know, so it's I don't think it. I don't think, you know, you see a lot of stuff that's kind of maybe as radical as like uh, things that Bernie Sanders is proposing or some of the stuff that's coming out of British labor. You know, I'd like to see the NDP be a lot bolder on, you know, foreign policy in particular. I'd love to see it embrace some of the stuff around, you know, worker ownership and, you know, economic democracy that's coming out of both Britain and the United States right now. Um, but there is some pretty good stuff in the program. There's or in the in the platform. There's a wealth tax. Um, there's a, a national childcare program. Um, I think, as actually was mentioned in the intro, there's um, you know expanding Medicare because uh, our healthcare system was actually designed in the 1960s, so it doesn't cover all kinds of things. It doesn't cover pharmaceutical drugs. It doesn't cover dental. Um, so expanding it to to pay for that. Um, uh, so um, yeah, it's it's basically a, a social democratic document uh, with a bit of populism thrown in. Um, I think that. You know, Canadian political culture uh, has always been it's always been defined by the liberals. It's always kind of been a politics of like uh, elite brokerage that happens in the political center and class politics. While it's existed here, has always been sort of a more marginal force, even when uh, populism has expressed itself. Historically, uh, it's expressed itself through like regional identities. So, you know, it's the populism of. Uh, the prairies or of Alberta, where kind of right-wing populism in Canada is based, um, or it's the populism of, you know, the Quebec sovereignty movement. Um, And so the kind of basic left-right split that happened in most uh, countries sometime in the 20th century uh, never really happened in Canada. And so we're left with kind of this, um, you know, peculiar political dynamic where we have Um, We have, you know, a fake uh, left wing party that's actually, you know, party of the neoliberal center right. We have now, I guess, two conservative parties. And then we have a social democratic party that sort of straddles, um, you know, uh, center left respectability and, uh, you know, genuine social democracy.
1: What do you make of the uh, the, their candidate uh, Jagmeet Singh?
4: Yeah. So, I mean, he's definitely uh, he's definitely to the left of, uh, you know, the previous leader, uh, Thomas Mulcair, who was uh, who was running on balanced budgets. And uh, he Richard Karn
2: Karn looking motherfucker. I'm sorry. I just he looked like uh, the guy from Home Improvement.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Richard Karns. Look him up. (laughs) Al, Al Borland. Um, So people say I look (laughs) like. Yeah. So Jagmeet Singh has showed some signs of, of you know, there's some there's some bold things that he's proposed. So there's, um, you know, in when he was running for the leadership, he talked about the need to uh, decriminalize uh, drugs and uh, declare the uh, declare the opioid epidemic, uh, which is something uh, that's it's it's really really serious uh, all over Canada. Declare that a national emergency. Um, you know, it, the I mean. Uh, as you would expect, uh, having you know a racialized leader of a political party has kind of uh, you know unleashed the you know the f- the floodgates of racism have uh, you know opened uh, open right away as soon as he became. Yeah, I mean he's he's a he's a, just, he's a yes? Sikh.
1: He wears a turban. You know he's campaigning like you know this like he's a, yeah visibly a member of a, a racial and religious minority.
4: Yeah, that's right. So just, just yesterday alone, like in the morning, he was at a market in Montreal, uh, campaigning, and a guy came up to him and said, you should really cut off your turban so you look like a Canadian. Um, and then, and then in the evening, uh, after the televised French language debate, uh, the Bloc Québécois, their Twitter account, um, I mean, this is like a rough translation I got from Twitter, um, but they tweeted something like, uh, the future is yours. Opt for men and women who look like you, who share your values, who care about your concerns. Blah blah blah. And then it ends rather ominously with the words, "Tomorrow belongs to you." <laughs> I've, I've I've heard that phrase somewhere before. I mean, that's rich coming from them. I mean, what? Like,
1: why don't they fucking speak English? You know, <laughs> like, if, why don't they just speak the language of Canadians? What, what,
4: what's all this French shit? Luke, do you speak French? Uh, I do not. I mean, so I was taught French from grade, I was taught French from the third grade up until grade 11, because as part of official bilingualism in Canada, you are taught it in public schools, but they sort of teach it, unless you're in French immersion, they sort of teach it, um, with the assumption that you're not really learning it. So you learn vocabulary and you learn how to conjugate verbs. And I don't really remember, um much of either outside of I mean parts of Quebec are genuinely bilingual and so is Ottawa a few parts of a uh, few parts of Ontario but uh, besides that bilingualism is sort of uh, you know it's something that exists much more you know institutionally I think than as kind of a, a, a lived reality
1: and how would you describe uh, like the NDP in this election how would you describe like their their voting base or like the people who support them
4: it's a mix of um, you know uh, the kind of traditional working class insofar as that still exists as a social base, you know, um, so, uh, you know, union, union workers, things like that. Um, you know, uh, people, uh, people in the parts of Ontario that, you know, used to have large, uh, industrial, uh, you know, manufacturing, uh, industries, things like that, you know, so, uh, cars and, and, uh, industries like that. Um, but it's also kind of urban progressives. So in, uh, You know, downtown Toronto, uh, Vancouver, uh, places like that. And after 2011, the NDP uh, kind of developed a foothold in Quebec, which is something that had long eluded it. Quebec is actually in some ways much more uh, culturally and politically social democratic than the rest of Canada. Um, But because... Uh, you know the sovereignty issue has historically been so big there. The NDP was never able to uh, achieve a breakthrough, and in 2011 it it finally did. It lost some of those seats in 2015, but still, um, you know, still uh, maintained a few of them. And uh, and so you know, Quebec is definitely a, a part of the NDP coalition as well.
1: And how is uh, like are the NDP like how are they polling in this election?
4: The, the polls right now just don't look very good across the board. I mean, I think the, the last one I saw, the conservatives were actually a little bit ahead. The liberals are not that far behind. And the NDP is kind of neck and neck with the Green Party in the last polls I saw in the, in the low teens. Um, so not, uh, the, not too great at the moment. But, um, I think the caveat I'd issue is that, uh, you know, even though the election's kind of at the halfway point, ele- Canadian elections are very short and, Uh, To be honest, I don't get the sense that a lot of people have really been paying that much attention. There hasn't been a big uh, televised debate involving all of the leaders in English yet. Um, And I think uh, there's still the potential for uh, possibly some pretty big swings. I mean, I'm I'm hesitant to make... uh, predictions after uh, the presidential election in 2016. But um, I'm not sure the outcome is yet to be determined. I think a lot of people are still undecided. And I think uh, there may be a sort of delayed uh, reaction the polls to, uh, uh, you know, the Trudeau blackface uh, scandal. Do
3: you think that's going to help him in Quebec? Trudeau
4: or, or the NDP? Trudeau. I I don't think it necessarily will. I mean the the main thing the liberals, I mean I don't I don't think it will help them. I think it will uh I think it will it's a drag wherever they wherever they go. I mean, I was actually at a debate, a local debate the other night and the incumbent liberal MP didn't mention Justin Trudeau's name a single time, which I thought was pretty uh pretty revealing. So he's gone from being their biggest asset to a pretty big uh, a pretty big drag.
1: So like like, like as, as this election shaping up, what is, what is, what is the, like the conservatives and shears pitch to, uh, you know, uh, get back in power?
4: Uh, it's a very boring one. I mean, it's, uh, you know, and actually before the Trudeau blackface scandal broke, the election really did seem like it was just going to be sort of the liberals and the conservatives dueling on very similar, uh, appeals to, you know, suburban Canada to kind of the middle of the middle. Um, I mean, the conservative base is, you know, very like I mean, it's a lot of it's very similar to the MAGA people like um, and probably honestly, it, you know, a lot of, you know, there's probably a big crossover like MAGA Facebook groups and, you know, Canadian conservative Facebook groups, things like that. Um, the people
1: who call but, him Justine Trudeau.
4: Yeah, exactly. Um But the but the actual conservative party pitch is an incredibly boring one. It's always and I think it's one that uh, it's the same one they've they've pushed for a long time. And it's one that ultimately ends up, you know, kind of helping the liberals in some ways, because it always they always portray the liberals as these like tax and spend big government, you know, um, you know, like uh, socialists or whatever. Um, and that kind of helps the liberals because that's kind of how they want certain people to think, uh, mm-hmm. t- you know, to think about them. Um, but the conservatives, you know, tend to downplay their, uh, you know, the worst parts of their base during the election. Uh, and then, you know, they kind of run on this very boring, like suburban identity politics that's, you know, tax credits and and. Uh, you know, the uh, relieving giving people tax relief from the supposedly crippling tax burden being imposed by, you know, Justin Trudeau and his, uh, you know, uh, finance minister who hails from uh, Bay Street, which is like uh, our Wall Street.
3: And there's a lot of uh, regional resentment there, too. You know, like uh, the liberals, on, you don't want Ontario liberals running the show or your tax dollars going there.
4: Yeah, very much so. I mean, regional identity politics are sort of they've those have been the fulcrum of uh, of like Canadian federal politics for uh, for quite some time.
3: Well, if the conservatives are boring, uh, what about your new Nazi party? That's got to be
4: fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they're they're interesting. So the the People's Party, which is being led by Maxime Bernier, um, you know, they are the first attempt, I guess, since the 1990s to do like a harder right, like an openly harder right. Conservative Party, Maxime Bernier was a Conservative MP and also a cabinet minister for like during during the Harper era, um, and he was actually the first choice of Conservative Party members. Um, on the first ballot, he actually got more votes than Andrew Shear. Uh, I guess two years ago when they had their leadership convention, um, but uh, because of their convoluted voting system, he ended up losing. Uh, And then he left, uh, you know, he left and started this new uh, this new political party, the People's Party, um, which I think is more openly of the of the MAGA variety. Um, But he's uh, you know, he's an interesting figure in that he was treated um, by our kind of mostly center right uh, punditry for over a decade as this sort of respectable wonk. You know, he was the policy focused guy. His boutique issue, which is a big one for some reason for conservatives in Canada, is deregulating the dairy market. So ending supply management is the, you know, is the kind of popular wasn't phrase. He,
3: uh, and I, I might be confusing him with someone else, but wasn't he involved in this this sex scandal like 15 years ago?
4: Well, when he was foreign minister, the thing that got him, the thing that got him turfed as foreign minister was that uh, he left some important documents at uh, the house of a woman that I guess he was seeing at the time. And it turned out that she had some ties to the Hell's Angels. So he was out as foreign minister. That yeah, might and be she, what wrote, like, she wrote
3: like a book about it on the eve of an election.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I, I confess I haven't read it. But uh, yeah, that, that sounds right. I think that did happen. Um, but but he, anyway, he, he was the boutique. He was the Paul Ryan of Canadian politics. He was the horny was wonk. The guy that. Yeah, he was the guy that, uh, you know, he talked about deregulating dereg- the dairy market and everyone decided that he was a, a wonk. And it turns out that, uh, uh, yeah, he and the political party he founded are uh, are extremely racist. Who'd have thought?
3: So how was uh, how was the Gruyper block doing?
4: <laughs> right. <here. laughs> well, so the Yeah. <laughs> So the Greens have gone into the election, uh, I guess, with, uh, you know, with kind of high hopes. Uh, they, I guess, won a by-election uh, six or seven months ago, which I think is only the second MP they've ever elected. They've never really been a big force in Canadian politics. So they're polling, uh, I think, around 10 percent right now, which is higher than they usually do. Um, but gr- the Green Party has always polled better during elections than it polls on Election Day um, the honest truth about Canadian politics is that uh, any party that can kind of position itself as the anti-conservative party um, often, uh, you know, often wins because or is often kind of the beneficiary of all the votes that are, you know, to the left of the uh, you know, of the hard right, because there's maybe 60 percent of the Canadian electorate, maybe a little less than that, who would probably never consider voting conservative. And uh, they tend to kind of vote in a wave. And that was very much the wave that elected Trudeau in 2015. So I would be uh, I would be surprised if the Greens elect more than one or two uh, MPs.
1: I guess just like overall, though, like uh, outside of like the NDP, like how do you see like what do you see as the horizons for left-wing politics in Canada you know you mentioned that there are these you know uh nascent and you know somewhat promising uh politicians and uh energy in America and and the UK uh how how do you see how do you see that in in Canada like outside of uh one election or the other
4: I mean, there are a lot of kind of disparate, uh, you know, activist movements in Canada. And what no one's figured out yet is kind of how to cohere them uh, together. Um, there are lots of people that are involved in those movements. So, you know, uh, who are organizers around criminal justice issues or, uh, you know, environmental stuff um or wage fairness, uh whatever. There are a lot of people uh like that who you know involve themselves in the NDP who are maybe running as NDP candidates. Um but I, I think it's safe to say that it hasn't really cohered into um you know a coherent uh alternative yet. Uh, the reasons for that I think are kind of complex. They're partly uh, they're partly you know political, but they're also partly cultural. Uh you know this is one sense in which the stereotypes about Canada are kind of true. Um, you know, we have a sort of uh, meeker political culture that is a bit tamer and uh, has not been, I think, as prone to populism um, or to kind of the rhetoric of revolution uh, as the United States or, uh, you know, or kind of, uh, you know, European, uh, various European countries. Um, I think nonetheless, so the horizons for the left, you know, I hope are are pretty bright, I think and, and hope that they are. Um, I think that uh, you know one of the reasons why you know I am a little more sympathetic to the NDP than um, you know some others maybe on the radical left in Canada is that I think that uh, because I do a lot of work in the United States um, where it's a struggle to get the nominal left of center party to even embrace uh, Medicare for all you know it's taken years of organizing to even kind of make that an issue in the uh in the democratic primaries um to me there's a lot of value uh in just having a social democratic party that's affiliated with trade unions that has roots in uh the working class um and i think that uh you know there's a, there's potential for the ndp to morph into something a little more uh disruptive and radical than it is you know currently um and uh, you know with the caveat that I think you know the current uh, the current NDP platform is uh, is not bad and uh, you know there's some good candidates running I'll certainly be uh, working to uh, try to get a few of them elected here in Toronto.
1: Uh just a couple quick things before we go. Um you mentioned earlier the sort of regional identity politics uh that uh play into this uh into into Canadian politics because you just like briefly describe for us like what what are the what are these identity types and the places that they live?
4: Yeah. So, I mean, historically, these have been some of the big, you know, determining uh, forces in Canadian politics. So Canadian politics for, you know, decades, if not longer, was very much anchored in Ontario and Quebec and in Toronto and Montreal specifically. And over the course of the 20th century, you had, you know, various kind of populist movements of different kinds kind of rise up, uh, rise up against the the Eastern Canadian establishment. Um So in the in the 1930s, you had the beginnings of kind of, uh, you know, class and labor politics in Canada or 1920s and 30s with, you know, these kind of, uh, you know, uh, agrarian populists that came from, uh, you know, places like Saskatchewan. Um, That's where North America elected its first uh, social democratic government in 1944, um, which was a CCF government. Um, but then there's also been right-wing populism that's come from further west on the prairies. So Alberta, um, you know, has kind of been the home of, uh, you know, the, the, the most hard right politicians in Canada. And it's where a fair number of kind of the, or a fair amount of the right-wing, you know, the movement conservative infrastructure is. Um, so there's that. And then there's been, you know, the seismic force of, uh, Quebec, uh, Sovereignism, which, uh, you know, before the 1950s, you know, Quebec was almost a kind of colony of, uh, you know, English Canada and a handful of American corporations. It was heavily controlled by the Catholic Church. Um, but then in the 50s and 60s, uh, there was this seismic cultural shift that people called the Quiet Revolution, where Quebec... Um, Became, you know, this radically secular Kind of social democratic society And then people in Quebec were very split About where to take that next Some people decided that Quebec really needed To become its own country And then others, uh, you know, including uh, Justin Trudeau's dad, Pierre Trudeau um, Thought that, uh, you know, Quebec should Kind of assert itself within Canada Um, And so that's where we got Kind of official bilingualism And things like that Um, So uh, and then I guess, you know, Atlantic Canada, there are a bunch of smaller provinces out there and they all have very, uh, very strong, uh, very strong identities uh, as well. So, uh, you know, identity politics in Canada of a kind have been, you know, really, uh, really big determining factors in uh, in Canadian uh, federal politics.
1: Leave it to Canada to have something called a quiet revolution. (laughs) (laughs) oh but like from you know 2019 a left-wing perspective what in like in your mind is the correct line on the quebecois sovereignty and separatism issue is this a noble self-determination against a colonial project of uh the crown and and capital, or is this just like a vulgar base nationalism of the worst kind? Uh,
4: I mean, you know, you would get very different answers depending on who you asked. I think my, I, I basically have, you know, I'm kind of a small D Democrat. So I think that uh, I think, you know, Quebecers like the Scots, uh, you know, have a right to uh, self-determination. But I mean, I think if you go to Quebec Um, You know, you'll find that it it very much has the the feeling of being a distinct society already. Um, I've never uh, I think as long as kind of the distinctness of French Canada is recognized, um, I'm not really sure there it needs to be a distinct country. That's that's my opinion. But uh, others might. uh, They need to pipe
2: the fuck down. (laughs) (laughs) That's the takeaway. The least aggrieved yeah, well motherfuckers that... on earth. Shut, settle down. If
4: you ask if, if most Canadian pundits like in English Canada, that's what they would say.
2: Eat your goddamn cheese and shut the fuck up.
4: <laughs> you
2: think France wants, to be, wants any part of your asses? They think you're a bunch of hillbillies. You fucking eat <laughs> potatoes, and gra- French fries, and gravy. It's good. Yeah, sure, but it's not French. You like hockey for God's sake. Uh, just while we're wrapping up everything, uh, what's going on with, uh, the other Ford, uh, the,
3: the, the one, the, 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 clown prince of, of Toronto's, uh, brother, the one who survived, the one who lived, the yeah, other well, drug he's, dealer, uh, he's,
4: re- he's, yeah, he's wreaking, he's wreaking havoc. I mean, uh, the Ontario actually has a really right wing government now. It's actually, uh, I guess I probably should have brought that up before, um, But uh, I guess the good news about Doug is that he's uh, he's extremely unpopular because he didn't really he didn't really run on the hard right. You know, he kind of ran as like a, you know, it's just time for change because the liberals have been in power for too long. And he said, you know, no one's going to lose their job. Everything's going to work better. You're going to pay lower taxes. And he kind of just cruised to victory. Um, But then it turned out that, uh, you know, actually he wanted to do you know, a kind of, uh, you know, lacerating series of, uh, cuts and, you know, he was, did au- he's trying to do austerity and, uh, turns out that's really unpopular. So, uh, that's, uh, in brief what's going on with Doug.
2: Plus he just doesn't have the, uh, the raw animal magnetism and, and just oozing charisma of Rob. <laughs> yeah, so no, he'll never or, go or quite the, as far
4: uh, or, or the incredible, uh, gift for oratory that his brother had and energy.
2: This reminds me <laughs> of one thing. So, but they both sold drugs when they were kids. <laughs> okay. Like, that's true, right? Like, they were a drug dealing family.
4: Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, Doug, Doug Ford, according to an investigation by one of Canada's leading newspapers, was one of the main drug dealers in uh, suburban Toronto Hell during yes. the 1980s. The plug. And, bef- and mere, mere like, I think a mere week or two before Rob Ford was elected mayor of Toronto, uh, one of the newspapers here got an audio recording of a constituent asking. Uh, rob ford to help get him drugs and rob ford is just kind of being like all right buddy i'll do my best uh, <laughs> yeah he got elected mayor a couple weeks I, I, I later I for
2: the plug <laughs> <Yeah>. absolutely <laughs> just, that reminds me of one thing uh, we can cut this because it's very esoteric and it is obviously old news now but one thing i remember from when he was running for provincial office was one of his issues was making ch- beer cheaper fuck a <laughs> yeah. beer what yeah, the so, fuck does that mean
4: yeah Buck a beer. Uh, I mean, I think it, it was mostly a slogan. I think a lot of the breweries kind of came out and said, uh, "Like that won't really that won't really work um, because you can't actually manufacture beer that's that cheap." I think there might actually be one or two uh, brews that you can get for a dollar, but it's not it's not really a, it's not really a thing. The, the reason why that's within the government's jurisdiction at all is actually because. Uh, alcohol is a, uh, in Ontario is like a government monopoly. We have, uh, if you go buy beer, uh, one of the places, one of the two or three places you can get it is actually called the liquor control board of Ontario, which is a hangover from, uh, from kind of the, the temperance, uh, movement and prohibition.
1: Well, uh, I think we will, uh, leave you guys with this. Uh, you sent me this and I, I can't stop thinking about it. Trudeau. Uh, was once on stage with bill nye the science guy and delivered this quote every human being starts as a scientist when you're a baby you're a scientist if i make this noise i get milk <laughs> so there, there you go that is uh, that, that's the justin trudeau platform which is i'm baby <laughs> that's a good excuse for the
2: blackface too Ladies and gentlemen, yes, I did blackface, but bear in mind that I am baby. If you
1: sing Deo, you get to wear this face. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how this experiment plays out. Well, Luke Savage, uh, I want to thank you for uh, joining us and uh, cluing us in on uh, what is going on in our great neighbor to the north. Uh, Luke, do you have any uh, anything you'd like to plug at the moment?
4: Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I write for Jacobin, so people can find uh, most of my work these days there. I also have my own podcast, uh, which is kind of a film and politics podcast called Michael and Us, that people can find uh, on your podcast app uh, and on Patreon. So uh, check it out if uh, if you don't already have enough podcasts to listen uh, yeah. to. Yeah,
1: please send us the links. We'll do. All right, everybody. Luke Savage. Thanks again to Don Hughes, aka Get Fiscal. Uh, check out their podcast as well. You can't win. Uh, that does it for today. Bye, Canada. Bye-bye, bye,
4: bye. Yeah. Bye. Love you. Bye, guys.